time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Welcome, Gothamites, one and all, to After the Credits, episode 44, a Yum Chunks podcast. On tonight's episode, we will be discussing the newest entry in the DC Universe, maybe Joker, period. That's the end of the, that's the name of the movie. With us tonight, we have Sean Davis. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. Maybe, period. <laughs> and we have Ryan Davis. What's up, Ryan? Hey, great to be here. Good, yeah, it's been a little while since we've all talked, so it's, yeah. it's good. And we have our resident uh, DC apologist, Chris Schmidt. How you doing today? <laughs> indeed. <laughs> You're doing indeed? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for lots of apologies. No, actually, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. At any rate, um, good, good to hear all of your guys' voices. It's been a little while since our uh, summer, what did we call that episode? Summer summer blowout. Summer bonanza blast. Summer <laughs> summer banana eating blast. Uh, oh. No, summer blowout. Big okay. summer blowout. Yeah, it's been, it's been a little over a month since then. No, uh, it's been like two months. Yeah, I think it's been oh, two it's, months. All right, well. We'll still hit that 50-episode mark by the end of the year, I'm confident. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Uh, we've had a little bit of post-summer dry spell in movies, and we're, I think things are going to be starting to ramp up again pretty soon. So uh, looking forward to the stuff that's on our way. But we have had a little uh, oasis here during our dry spell in, in the new Joker film. But before we get into that, uh, let's take a good old trip around the chunk fire, shall we? I want to join that trip. Good, you're starting then. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Well, as part of the Chunk Fire trip, I also took another trip. Actually, I got back from this trip yesterday. I was in Arkansas again. Good old Arkansas, the Big Apple. The if you love it city. so much, why don't you just move there? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I don't love it so much. <laughs> well, was it the same reason as last time? And if it was, would you care to share that? And if it wasn't, yeah, would you care uh, to share why you were there anyway? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, loosely the same. Basically, we're I was doing pre-production on a film that will be, um, we will be filming with the same crew that I, you know, from the the movie I made earlier this year. Um, next year so we're doing pre-production stuff and it's gonna be a kind of like westerny movie set in the 1800s but in the ozarks okay so not quite a desert western town but kind of like a hilly mountainy appalachian town anyways um and uh it's really cool because they they bought this huge lot of land this old cotton where like cotton warehouses like hundreds of years old and we're building an actual like town in this in this like empty field worth around these warehouses so that's what i was doing i was doing lots of manual labor for the last week basically waking up at six and then digging holes and building with raw hands and muscle and you know i, and, I saw uh, you digging a hole in on instagram sean i you're, saw that too that was you're digging that hole real yeah. good I've yeah, never there were so do many tools. Cool. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know there were so many tools for digging holes. I learned so much. Um, and I got to drive a tractor, um, which was awesome. And I was pretty good at it by the end. I was moving giant logs, like big old 600 pound logs with a tractor. And 
and probably i i mean not probably i was not qualified in any way <laughs> like don't you but, need a license but i don't know eh, i don't know i mean it is arkansas yeah um uh, so yeah, that's what I was doing out in Arkansas and it was great and I'm excited to, you know, continue doing pre-production, um, and then start actual making the movie next summer sometime. So, cool. um, but that was fun. Um, what else? Well, aside from those trips, I've watched a hand, I mean, it's been a ton of, it's been, like I said, two months since we last recorded. So there's a ton of stuff I've watched and read and stuff, but I think some of the highlights, let's see. I um, played this video game called Control, which is I really enjoyed. Highly recommend. Um, it's kind of like Fear, but like also a third-person Metroidvania-y kind of fun. Trapped in a singular house with odd world, odd things happening. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's really good. I recommend it. Um, and uh, I watched this TV series called The Terror. Um, I watched the first season. Has anyone heard of this show? No, I've not heard of it. It's it was on AMC. I've heard of it. And this currently the second season on, is on now, but it's one of those series that's like an anthology series. So each season is a completely different like thing, different story, and unrelated from season to season. I guess like American Horror Story kind of. I guess. But so I just saw the first season. But the first season was awesome. It was basically. Um, about this British, based on true events supposedly, but this British naval expedition to to find the Arctic um, Passage, you know, in the 1800s, and and this ship went or this expedition went missing, and this is just like the fictionalized version of it as a kind of gothic horror tale of what happened to this crew, this 1800 British you know shipping crew that went missing and the horrors that befell them. Um, it's really good. I recommend it. It's it's spooky and weird, and and you learn a lot about the British naval hierarchy, which is what I'm all sign me up for that. It's fun. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, and then um, last thing I'll mention is I just read this book, and I'm gonna nerd out a little bit real fast. It's called The Invention of Nature, and I usually don't read nonfiction. I rarely, if ever, read nonfiction, but this book is a biography of this guy called Alexander von Humboldt, and he is the greatest human being to have ever lived. You guys, <laughs> I'm I'm not exaggerating that much, but basically, it was this guy. Uh, he lived in the late 1700s to the 1800s, and he's not known in the Western Hemisphere or in, in the United States and like Britain and Canada very much. He's really well known in Latin America, but he's like an amazing scientist. I don't know why they don't teach him in schools or teach about him, but basically he, he's the guy who he, like our understanding of nature and the world is so much drawn from like his science and his research and his, and his writings. And his life was like a crazy Forrest Gump version of like, meeting famous people in the 1800s like he he met and was good friends with the german writer and poet Goethe. um he was like uh the uh advisor to king wilhelm 
He was an advisor to Napoleon. He met Napoleon multiple times. He went on an exp- so he finally got an expedition money, and he went on an expedition to Latin America during the 1800s. And he traveled the Amazon with just him and like a boat, collecting animals and plants, and just like this crazy menagerie down the Amazon River. And he met Simon Bolivar, and some he Bolivar was hugely inspired by him. Like all the revolutions in Latin America can be traced back to like the ideas that Humboldt had. He met Thomas Jefferson and James Madison as Jefferson was president. He met Charles Darwin. He like all of these people were like hugely inspired and originated from the ideas that the scientist Humboldt had. Uh, John Muir, Walt Whitman, Henry and David Thoreau, our current understanding of environmentalism and con- um, conservationism, like, and just what nature is like, I'm I'm ranting and no one else has said anything for like five minutes, but I can't I, I, go I, I, on I don't, enough about this guy. I don't want to stop you because you're on a roll, but I'm going to say, I, are you sure that you weren't watching Doctor Who? <laughs> like seriously, like, like or, it's or, crazy or, uh, how much this guy has influenced all of our. Like he's as important as Newton, as as Da Vinci, and all of this stuff, but they do not teach him. Like I, it's it's kind of crazy how obscure he has become in terms of um, modern, you know, American or, or British kind of like understanding of history and science. Um, I was got to say, it's cra- I mean, yeah. it, it, it sounded like you were either talking about Doctor Who or, like, the fat baby from Hysteria. <laughs> Do you remember, anyone remember Hysteria? Nope. <laughs> the, Hysteria, Animani- but... the Animaniac spinoff that was on, like, Warner Brothers Saturday morning. Oh, and, I vaguely remember And all, all the characters had in- direct influence in history. Oh. oh I'm yeah. the only one who watched Hysteria. Yeah, I don't, that, I, I don't know. I, that doesn't I, ring a bell. I, Ryan, I thought I you would for sure. I, I yeah, all, all, all the other ones. You, you know, I'm going to look this up right Freak, now. Freakazoid and Pinky and the Brain. And yeah, all I remember that. Freakazoid. Well, anyway, Sean, what was the show called again, or the movie? What was it? Well, I think it was it's a book. It's a book. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's not, I forgot you wanted <laughs> to be less down, exciting. We, we don't that? care about books. I know. As soon as I mentioned book and nonfiction, I mean, I would have tuned out yeah, if it wasn't for we were, me talking. But seriously, like. It's funny because you would think that the, what I've explained would have been prone to a crazy movie or a biography or a series, but there's not. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's crazy how unknown this per, this this guy is for as amazing as he is and how influential he was as a person. And he lived to like 90 too. Like he wrote it something like Cosmos, you know, the like series Cosmos, and mm-hmm. that like that is that originates that term. Just the idea of Cosmos originates from him. Like. I could go on and on about how important this guy is, but everyone listening, look him up. Let's all make humble important. Apparently, again. there's a bust of his head in Central Park. There you go. And there's well, that's the thing. There's a ton of like streets and parks and and I don't know waterfalls and monuments kind of named after him throughout because in the in the late 1800s, you know, when his fame was at its height, he was considered like one of the most important people in the world. Um, but yeah, it, like I even Ryan, do you remember when we were kids and we went on vacation to Oregon to the sand? And there's I think yeah. oh, there's a national park called Humboldt Park. Oh yeah, I mean it's named after him. I mean okay. he never went to Oregon specifically, but his influence. That's what I'm saying. There's lots of parks and just like all this. Anyways, look him up. His name's Alexander von Humboldt. He was a Prussian scientist. He was great, and our understanding of the world is owed a lot of that is owed to him. So oh. there's our little. The more you know. For this episode, 
Anyways, that's me. I ranted. I did my rant. So now it's someone else's turn to rant. Well, uh, Chris or Ryan, go for it. Well, I was going to say, I, I wanted to kind of follow up with that um, inspiring tale of a genuine, uh, decent, excellent example of a human being by saying that I spent the last uh, two weeks or so watching nothing but Riverdale. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was a e- easy uh, transition. Pretty equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Right. Who thinks he's about to recommend this? Uh, <laughs> I'm on the fence. I, sure well, <laughs> I have first. I have prior knowledge, so I won't comment. Oh, okay. right, that's true. Uh, I won't spend too much time on this. It is. It is. It's. It's a. It's a. You know what? I. I, I need to still digest how I feel about the show entirely. Um, I, I can't. So bring it up. I, I can't fully recommend it at this time. Um, how sexy is it? Stay tuned. In our next episode, to see if I recommend this show, <laughs> I've already decided that you haven't. I mean, I think the safe bet is that if Ryan brings something up, he's not going to recommend it unless proven otherwise. I will say this: it is it, they cast nothing but the most attractive people on the planet to be in the show. So you're saying like, it's super sexy? It is because that term sexy. that term is literally thrown around in every article I've ever read about Riverdale. Like the librarian is like. 80 years old and she is sexy the janitor (laughs) mopping the floors in the background is like dang what is that what is that guy up to?" archie's world (laughs) just had it going on man yeah it 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 did um actually i do want to share this one quick other thing i want to see the matrix last night in the theaters i don't know if you guys knew this but they're for the 20th anniversary they re-released it um, didn't, didn't know it was the 20th uh, anniversary either. <laughs> which I is kind of the 20th, but I didn't know they released it. That's cool. Yeah, in fact, they well, actually, to be honest, the only reason I knew about it is when I went to go see Joker. I saw in the marquee the Matrix, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I looked it up, and yeah. Um, so I, I returned the next evening to watch it, and they were showing it in the 40x thingamajig that Sean mentioned. Like, I think that was the last <laughs> episode or was two it episodes. A it was oh, uh, just awful. Well, <laughs> I mean, Wait, it so was entertaining. You saw four. You did four D with the Matrix. Whoa! All right. Yeah. So yeah. they they not only re release the film, but someone had to go in there and program those seats to <laughs> jostle me around for two hours. Um, it, it it was weird because the seat would move, and I won't get too much into it. Sean already explained it. But even when the, the camera would just rotate, and the chair like said, "Oh, well, we got to rotate too because the camera is." <laughs> it's like, okay, come on, we don't need this, do we? Anyway, it was. It was entertaining. Plus, I love that movie. I'll I'll watch it anytime. I, ha- so. I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I heard that a, a fourth one is in production with Indeed. all the same writers and crew and actors. Everybody's back on board to do number four. So yeah, that's so. interesting. I, I, Indeed. You know, yeah. So it. it should be exciting. Uh, yeah. So that's th- those are that's my chunk story. Fire story. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chris, what you up to? I'm gonna rapid fire right now. Here we go. Uh, Carol and Tuesday, seriously let down by it. Don't recommend it. <laughs> Catherine, all right, still a fantastic game. Everybody should play it. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's that's it. That's oh, good. you didn't even have to go that rapid fire, Chris. Oh. The funny thing is, Chris, you haven't been on even longer than Monkey. <laughs> you weren't in the last two episodes that we recorded. Nope. So it's been like three months since you've even been on. I know. And and that's all you got. 
Uh, Come on, tell us about also, metal I feel, detecting. I feel like you bring up Catherine and how much you love it every other chunk fire. That's because, goddammit, I love that. I love it. It's, I'm not saying so it's good. bad. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, at this point, I think we know how you feel about that game. Well, you're going to keep hearing it because since it got re-released uh, and I just finished it, it's fresh on my mind. So you'll just keep hearing it. It's going to keep coming back because it's okay. that good. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Chewy. Uh, yeah. That brings well, us to you. Last time I was on the show was in mid-August, um, and in that time I've started uh, teaching again. I'm back on my feet. I'm working. Uh, it means I'm also very busy and uh, very tired a lot, but I'm happy to be back to work. Um, somewhere in there, and you guys have heard about this a whole bunch, but how I lost my Spider-Man save file and I had to start over and all that. So somewhere in there I finished Spider-Man. Uh, won't d- dwell on that too long, but I'll ju- nice. I will just say that we are blessed with how much good Spider-Man content we've gotten the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I, I, it's been all hits for me. It's been all like it's all hit exactly where I wanted to as a video game. The last movie hit exactly as I wanted for a Spider-Man movie. The animated one, Spider-Verse, everything's been great. But yeah, video game, add it to the bunch. Lots of good Spider-Man content. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just tangentially related because of Spider-Man. I think it's been so long that. Since our last episode, there has been both the the schism of Sony and Marvel with Spider-Man dropping out of the MCU and the reunification of yeah. Spider-Man back into the MCU. Yeah, well... Um, so that's fun. Yeah, that was weird. I got real scared for a minute because I, I, I think I had decided that Far From Home is my favorite Spider-Man movie. And I saw it again since then. I think I saw it three times in theaters. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I still stand by that. I think it is still my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um but uh yeah i got really scared when they said they weren't going to do it anymore with the same team and then they figured it out and now so we'll get we're going to get one more spider-man movie to complete that trilogy and spider-man's going to pop up in a couple more mcu movies and i'm fine with that at least if they know they know how many they have to work with they can figure out how they're going to proceed which is fine fine with me um and even if it's just part of a marketing kind of stunt i I still think it's great that Tom Holland was supposedly like yeah. pivotal in reuniting it. <laughs> Absolutely, everybody <laughs> likes Tom Holland. Everybody, exactly. everybody's in his team, and he's in our team. He's, you know, so that, that's good. It, but that yeah. brings me joy. It's joy fun- warms it's, my heart. It's funny that that all happened in the in our gap since the last episode, and it's <laughs> basically resolved at this point. So it's yeah. really not even worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's cool. Beat Spider Man. Um, I have a film recommendation. It's called uh, "Support the Girls." I don't know if you guys have ever heard uh, uh-uh. that that title. Uh, the The title is a play on words uh, because it's uh, it's a movie about a team of waitresses who work at a very Hooters esque uh, restaurant bar. And so, oh, I think I have heard of this. It sounds familiar yeah. now that you're describing so it. So, yeah. "Support the Girls" is like a bra pun, um, but it's kind of if you think about the plot, it's it's kind of a grown-up version of waiting. If you guys can imagine, do you guys have, have you guys seen Waiting? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. And everybody's kind of like in college and trying to figure out what the next stage of their lives is going to be, and everyone's frustrated, but everyone's kind of goofing off because nothing stakes aren't super high yet. This is all about a bunch of women who are past that. Like they never figured out what the next stage of life is going to be. A lot of them are single moms. A lot of them are struggling with money. And the main character is the manager who's kind of just trying to help all these women out because they know that 
they have a lot of issues in their lives. So, um, so it's from mostly from the manager's perspective, trying to put all these metaphorical fires out with all of her, uh, her Hooters girls, basically. Um, I think it's on Hulu. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's like a grown up waiting, both in tone, both in sub in subject matter. It's, it's got its moments of comedy, but it's a little bit more of a drama. So, uh, I recommend that one. Um, and then, uh, finally, a couple weekends ago for my birthday, I went to Vegas. I had a quick, uh, weekend trip and, uh, drove up Friday night, left on Sunday afternoon. Um, on that Saturday, two noteworthy things happened. Um, what I thought was going to be the most noteworthy one was on Saturday evening. We uh, went to Fremont Street and we saw a free Smash Mouth concert. <laughs> um, Are, aren't all Smash Mouth concerts at this point free? <laughs> well, here's here's the thing: is that the last time I saw Smash Mouth was I think in two thousand seven or so. Ryan, I think I saw them with you actually. Um, Sounds familiar. But it was at Del Mar Fair. I was up in the nosebleeds. Um, and this was at the tail end of their everybody forgetting about them before they showed back up as a meme. Um, but and now they're a meme, so they kind of there's a little bit more interest in Smash Mouth, so they're doing shows again. But I'd always like looked up whenever they come to a local casino to perform, which is pretty much all they do now. And they're always they're always co-headlining with like Sugar Ray or another like one of those <laughs> 90s bands. And then they sell the tickets for like 70 bucks. And I'm like, I'm not going to go see I'm not going to pay that much. So I saw I saw that they were doing a free show on the weekend of my birthday in Vegas, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's really easy to do. So I uh, went there. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it, but as it was kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, Smash Mouth putting a show on in the year 2019, it was a bit of a mess, but it was a delightful for free show, Fremont Street-style mess um, that you can imagine. Um, they pulled it together enough by the end to do a really all-star and I'm a believer and all the other really big hits really well by the end of the show. But yeah, I mean, I'll just say, I'll just say this. I think it's possible. I may have seen, I may have seen the last ever Smash Mouth concert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If not, I think it's possible. I saw my last ever Smash Mouth concert because (laughs) from what I saw, I I don't know if I'd buy tickets to that, but. I would definitely go see them again for free, but I don't know when that's going to happen again anytime nearby soon. So, um, but uh, in anticipation to that that trip, we were trying to look for something to do on Saturday afternoon beforehand to spend some time uh, that wasn't too expensive. And uh, Lindsay Ellis, one of my favorite uh, YouTubers, tweeted that she was doing a free lecture at a library out in the Las Vegas suburbs on the same day at three o'clock. So uh, we're like, oh, cool, perfect. Um, I don't know how many, of you, if any of you guys are familiar with Lindsay Ellis besides Sean. I know you watch her, right? I watch her. Yeah, I, I watch her all the time. I was actually, I haven't talked to you since her last um, ep- uh, video about the uh, Disney live action, which is very apropos after our Lion King episode. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, and I, I still will. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I uh, she's. She's great. I love all of her video essays. She's maybe my favorite YouTuber. She's definitely in the top three. Um, but it, just the stars aligned. We were able to go see the show with enough time to go back to our hotel and get ready for the Smash Mouth show later. Um, the It filled up, and it was crazy because I've worked lots of these type of events when I worked at a library where they have like a speaker come talk about some you know topic. 
and you always have the senior citizens from the area who are there because they just do whatever the library is putting on. So it was very strange. You had about a quarter to a third of the audience were just that crowd who were like, I don't know what this is, but I'm old, so, and this is free. I'm at the library. Yeah, so I may as well just wander in and sit down because my legs are tired and I'll listen to what this girl has to say. Uh, and then the rest of it was actually people like me who were like big fans of uh, her YouTube channel. So it was a little strange being in that crowd, um, like some people getting her obvious, like she referenced herself a lot. She like a lot of the, the her sayings and the jokes that she re- makes throughout mm, yeah. her series. She said those things and you could tell like me and the rest of the audience are like, oh, she said the thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> she did. She did a talk about uh, science fiction and how uh, alien language is handled in science fiction. Uh, so she oh, cool. she talked about a lot like the movie Arrival, certain episodes of Star Trek, the MCU, and she basically broke it down into okay, here are the categories of how of different types of alien languages or how uh, or how humans learn to communicate with aliens. Here's the different categories of types of aliens themselves, and she went through all these different movies and kind of broke it down and explained it. It was it was like watching one of her video essays live, which was really it was just as funny and just as well researched. So uh, that was that was very good. Did, well, I was gonna say, did she? Re- is it recorded? Is it something? Is it like anywhere that you could watch? It's not on her main channel. Uh, it, no, it, I get the impression that it won't ever be because she oh. she dropped something that implied that she had done this talk at a, other times in the past, and that she'd be ref- yeah. like, I got the impression she'd be re- working on it and refining it. So, mm-hmm. um, so it sounds like it won't it won't be because it sounds like something that she does from time to time. Uh, maybe one day when she retires that. Uh, that uh, lecture should maybe she'll make a video for it but uh, yeah it was great it was a good time afterwards I got a picture with her uh, got a chat just a little bit and then uh, I brought my rent DVD and uh, she autographed it uh, her her video essay about rent uh, look pretty and do as little as possible as the video that I like I discovered her with um, mm. and then after that I pretty much binged her whole channel so she was a good sport about it because she notoriously hates rent and she kind of looked disgusted when i pulled it out of my bag um and she was kind of like can i like be mean about this or are you a huge rent fan i'm like oh no write whatever you want it's fine (laughs) so that was good that was a fun what did she write uh actually i have it next to she said um where it says rent under underneath it she wrote is bad and then wrote (laughs) and then she wrote thing bad and then signed her name. <laughs> uh, thing bad is a thing is one of the things that she says a lot in her uh, in her YouTube essays. And so that was exciting. And that was fun. You know, I'm getting old because I enjoyed uh, the library lecture in Vegas more than being out on the strip and watching a free rock concert. <laughs> uh, that's fascinating, though. It's just funny that. I mean, I guess that's what YouTubers do to supplement. I mean, she's well known enough that she probably is invited to those things. But like, oh yeah, the the library director of uh, events said in her his intro to her that he reached out to her like a year ago, and that's how long it took for them to set it up because she's so busy and she has so many things going on. She's writing a book. She she was pr- promoting her book partially. She's writing a sci fi book, and it comes out next yeah, year. That's cool. So she was yeah, somewhat promoting that, but I guess she's really busy and she's not struggling at all. She's got lots of projects happening. So well, I know she works for uh, NPR now too. So NPR and I didn't know that, but uh, she does a, a a series for PBS about literature. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. kind of uh-huh. her, it's called It's Lit, and it's kind of in her 
video essay style, but it's a little bit more youth friendly. Um, so those are good too. But anyway, so that's how I celebrated my birthday. I went to a library lecture and I went to a Smash Mouth concert. So there you go. Happy birthday to me. And that's all I bring to the fire this week. So shall we move on? Yes. Good fire. Um, yeah. Well, then let's jump into the main course and we're going to be talking about Joker. Before we get into the details and the summary, obviously, spoiler alert. Um, and actually, I would probably recommend not listening, even if you have a mild interest in watching the Joker and then, yeah, I don't care. It might be best to avoid spoilers on this one. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what you guys think. We'll get into it in the details. But I, yeah, I, I, uh, spoilers yeah. forthcoming. Um, so before the discussion, hey, Ryan, what happened in Joker? All right. Let me explain to you this movie. Uh, so it's interesting you said that no spoilers because it's hard to really point out a, like a plot that would be spoiled so much as you would be maybe spoiling what is just the story of a man yes yes uh, uh, i mean I he is a sad clown man um but a man nonetheless uh so yeah so this is the story of arthur uh fleck and uh yeah he's a sad clown man uh he's a little down on his luck he lives with his mom he has no plans or motivation or direction in life whatsoever he kind of gets picked on you know it's, it's one of those um, but anyway, through complete random circumstance, he gets a gun and then he complete through completely through random circumstance, shoots three people and then completely through random circumstance starts a social movement. Um, and then he decides that he's going to get revenge on the people that he's been picked on by shooting a celebrity on TV. And, uh, then he becomes the Joker. And that's the there's dancing, you, and then he dances. He dances at the end, and um, and then uh, and then and then Batman happens, and it surprised <laughs> the whole happens. thing is not Joker's origin. It's actually just an extended Batman origin. <laughs> Batman, correct. Uh, yep, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't fairly accurate. It's in terms of like story elements. Yeah, there's not a, in terms of you're right. You're absolutely right. The plot there's not like a plot that kind of. I mean, there is obviously, but yeah. it's not a heavily plot driven. It's it's a much more character driven right, like, which is, I think, to ex- credit in, in some regard, most regards. Yeah. But we'll get into, yeah, I don't know. Certainly. I mean, really, if I was going to tell someone or describe this movie to someone or summarize this movie for someone, I would, wouldn't even talk about the story. I would just talk about, well, I would talk about Joaquin Phoenix and his performance because that mm. is the movie for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, guys, we live in a society. Ugh. Guys, kind of... <laughs> when he said when he was on TV and he said something about society, I was like, ah, he he did it. He said the thing <laughs> <laughs> to the uh, to the ups, to to the annoyance of people sitting around me. I'm sure. <laughs> um, well, uh, I don't. I mean, I like this film. I think it was a good film. I don't know if I I, I was expecting a stronger reaction going into it. Than I than I have, um, I think that it was really good. I there wasn't anything specific that I could pick apart as like I thought was bad about it. I think the things that I maybe were not as in love with were more just. Um, I think kind of what you were saying about the story. I, I feel like kind of the story lacked maybe some depth that was kind of opening. 
Um, but I think the character stuff all still worked really well. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's a kind of an ambiguous, wishy-washy approach. But in general, I think it was a well-made movie, even if I wasn't kind of drawn to every aspect of it. I don't, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still percolating. What do you guys well, think? We will help you figure out how you feel, I'm sure. Um, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it as a fan of uh, well-made movies. I had a, I thought it was well directed and the performances were mm-hmm. good and it was well shot and edited and had good pacing, especially for a comic book movie quotes with no like action scenes really. I thought yeah. I thought it was still really well paced and it kept my interest the whole time. As a fan of Batman and or DC stuff, I don't really know that I like this depiction of the Joker character very much. I think it's I think and again, I think Joaquin Phoenix delivers a fantastic performance given the material. I just I just have some things about this depiction of the character that kind of bug me a little, uh, which is kind of a a bit of a sour note. But again, Joker origins have never really been that important. In fact, you know, know, he says it himself in, uh, I think, Killing Joke, you know, if I'm going to have an origin, I prefer it be multiple choice. So if there's a less, if there's a subpar Joker origin that exists, you can kind of just ignore it because there's not really a Joker origin anyway. So it doesn't, the thing, the problems I have with this story don't bother me that much, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it. I think it makes sense. Um, Chris, we haven't heard from you in forever. Five hours. So lay it on us. Uh, I mean, I don't think I don't think it comes as any surprise that I love this film. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have some problems with it, but I think overall the performance from Joaquin Phoenix and some of the supporting cast, even though they really don't get a lot to do, um, I I do like his story overall. I I like the elements that make it Joker's origin. I do kind of agree with the kind of. Not, not backlash, but, you know, like the warnings that people have been saying about the film, because I don't think the film itself actually lands on either side of whatever message is trying to get across. I mean, I, I it's kind of a funny way to put it, but I, I know exactly what you're saying. I guess to me, a little simpler would be like, I don't know what the message is. I, I guess that's the message yeah. is kind of dilute. It's either too obvious or it's so obscure that it loses all meaning. Well, I think anytime it tries to push any kind of message, it's always obvious, but I think there are things in the movie yeah. that directly contradict itself. to make so where the message yeah, gets kind of lost. I mean, exactly. Um, anyway, sorry, continue on. Chris. I mean, I mean, I, I think that was really it. I mean, I'd be interested to hear your guys's pain points. I, I mean, overall, I didn't, I don't have any, negative really anything negative to say about it other than his final uh performance on that late night show towards the end of the movie Hmm. okay well we'll get to that in a second ryan what did you think uh you know i i was so absorbed in his performance that i i really had to take a long time or a few days to just digest okay what did what happened in this movie like everything (laughs) was so steeped in Mm -hmm. his just character and then it was like okay well maybe this is you know don't obviously don't then focus on that part of it uh and just think about well what who was he who was this man and through there i will get some sort of meaning from the film but i think that's one reason that i was i I didn't love the movie i guess i'm still ultimately still kind of confused about how i feel about the movie if if i'm being honest um but because he didn't he wasn't 
he didn't really feel like he had a lot of agency over mm-hmm. who he was. He was just more the product of circumstance, which is a fine story to tell. Um, but at the end of the day, if that's ninety percent of the movie, I felt like I didn't really get a lot either. Um, right. If, if the, his tr- quote unquote triumph, or yeah, I'm not getting too much into the message at this point, but whatever his thing is, you want to call it at the end of the film, right? It's maybe some sort of vindication or gratification or, or whatever. It's like okay, I mean, did okay, all right. I didn't. I don't feel really that strongly about it. I didn't really feel, yeah. you know. So I was like, okay. And so I think that's kind of where I'm left, just feeling about this film as a whole. Is that I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad film by any measure. I think it was well made, uh, well shot, well acted, all the things you want to put those together. But just my reaction to the film, my yeah, just feeling about the th- the thing is, I'm still. Yeah, I guess I'm still trying to process that. So maybe I'll come to a conclusion by the end of this conversation. Interesting. Yeah, I I think we all need to work this out. (laughs) It's interesting because, I I mean, I I pretty much agree, even with you, Chris. I I mean, like I was saying, I don't have anything negative. I I really don't have any, like, oh, this part sucked or this element of it sucked. Um, It's less that there were things that were bad about it and just things that maybe didn't quite work for me. But in general, I thought, yeah, I just really thought it was well made, but it never really fired... It, it never engaged me. Well, I, that's not that's not true. It's not that it never engaged me, but it was it was emotionally confusing. I guess that's what it is. Is yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, that's if actually that, if, yeah. Where you have moments of empathy and you have moments of familiarity and you and you get it, but but then in the next scene they kind of undermine that and they undercut it. And it and on one level it's like oh that's interesting. I, you know that's it's an interesting you know assuming it's intentional, which I do think it is. Yeah. But like that's an interesting take that they're they're purposefully making me kind of in this in this void in this limbo of how I'm supposed to feel towards this character and to an extent the world. But at the end of the film, when you're kind of left in that, it also leaves you groundless. And that also makes it hard to, like, latch on to anything. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think uh, I think the way you kind of put it, right, is there, there are moments of empathy and sympathy that you're supposed to have with this character. But I think mm-hmm. because it's the Joker, it, you flat out, they obviously know they can't leave you at that point, right? They don't, they don't mm-hmm. want to leave you at that point for this character. And so once you get to the end, right, and he gives like this big speech and he's like viewed as the head of this uprising and he has this huge, you know, the the little man's been kicked too much, right? Like I felt that's where the message got really, really muddled and Mm -hmm. I I couldn't really decide where I felt like they wanted me to end on that line yeah, because I definitely don't want to ever emphasize with the Joker, (laughs) Right. Well, I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. It's okay. So I, I I agree with that mostly. I mean, telling a story about you know sympathy for the devil kind of thing, right? I mean, uh, we all know it worked really well in Maleficent, um, and they're clearly trying to copycat <laughs> that. Well, but on a serious note, uh, yeah, I I think I agree with you, Chris. Um, and that's one one point where I think I joining that up with how Chewie was saying. Um, how this in the continuity of the DC universe, yeah, this is a little man that got kicked too much. Is that the Joker we know from the rest of the DC universe? He, no, he's a man with a plan. Well, even if he says he doesn't have a plan, right? Right. Yeah. He, this, and this, this guy was not this, a man with a plan. 
this the the thing that I'll, I'll tell you the thing that really rubs me the wrong way with this joker is that it's implied from the beginning that he has mental health issues and right. my favorite if if i'm gonna pick an origin my favorite version is that you know he he had his one bad day which it's interesting that this movie references killing jokes so heavily but it kind of reverses the the message of that because the whole idea is that anyone could go through enough and and break and become crazy but you know some, some one of you were saying that he doesn't really have any as much agency it's because he's already he's already in a bad place when the movie starts and he's already it's already implied that he has uh mental health issues and and mm. chris you're talking about the messages of the movie where they get meddled i think that was one of the or muddled that was one of the ones i think that was because there's the scenes where he gets cut off from his meds because the government can't fund uh you know therapy anymore and uh, there's that whole I, there's that whole message about you know the the upper class and the lower class and how it's hard for certain people um but so it's kind of it feels like the movie's trying to say oh we should you know we need to be helping people with mental issues otherwise they're going to turn into jokers but also at the same time if you look at studies like there's not really any proof that like people who have mental health issues are violent like there's not right. there's not a correlation yeah. to that so in a way it kind of attaches this false like oh like this is the reason why people are violent it's because they are mentally ill and you know it, 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 there's so many it's such a gray area issue there's so many things that are thrown in there and the movie kind of throws them all into a pot and mixes them up into like a gross gumbo like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't it, it's not saying anything because it can't decide what it's trying to say it's just well, going do you off. feel do you feel a psychopath suffers from mental illness well i mean i do think that yeah i definitely i mean i so. I, 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 mean, I just uh, i mean there i think there are people that are just in a bad mental space right but i think the movie eventually flips right and it's just like no he's actually just been flat out a psychopath this well, whole time so that's so that's what i was going to get to is that i mean i don't think psychopath is the right word not that it's the wrong word but i think it has certain implications that i think aren't helpful for the discussion I, i'm not saying that right it, none it of does n- sound condescending but i don't mean it to be kind of none of us are I'm licensed sorry. to talk about mental health yeah so we, I, what i'm saying I, is that totally, like as for the most part they make it somewhat apparent that he has some sort of mental health issues right, right? but then later in the film they seem to go out of the way to kind of introduce an element of like but does he right right there's a couple scenes where they question where i think it's the cops the detectives they bring that card out he's like so is that real and he doesn't answer and and you could just take that because he's frustrated and he doesn't want to you know engage with them but when you're putting that in the film for the audience what that also does is it undermines your trust in the narrator right as in in him so then you're like wait wait maybe he has been faking it this whole time right, right. and that's what I, and that's exactly what you're talking about to in just this terms of like this giant gumbo where you're you you're now devoid of a message because you can't you're like wait okay so then it's not about mental health because he's just faking it and he re- like right and well, I, I actually think yeah. that that aspect of it weakens the movie, but it also kind of makes it more interesting for me. And it's because yeah, of two, I agree. It's, it's because so of two specific plot threads. Um, and I want to talk about them both, unless you guys have to throw something in about that real quick. But I think there's 
to me, there's the Zazy Beats fake girlfriend plotline, and then there's the mm-hmm. the mother who may or may not have had an affair with Thomas Wayne plotline, and yes. and the fact I'm really glad that you brought up the idea of like the unreliable narrator, right? There's so many unreliable yeah. narrators in this movie that it makes mm-hmm. it even harder to tell what the movie's trying to tell us when the characters themselves are all unreliable, and we can't trust any what yeah. anybody says. And you know, like with the with the parentage issue, like. Yeah, it. by the end of it, he's kind of like, oh, he's told that the mother had mental health issues and she had the same kind of delusions. It's implied that she had this delusion that she slept with Thomas Wayne and had this kid. But really, they are saying what they're saying, really, he was adopted. But isn't that the kind of thing that a rich person who of like status in gotham I'm, would try exactly to i think th- isn't that i think exactly that was the point of the yeah. of those scenes well, was you weren't okay supposed, you were supposed to kind of like be like i mean was he or is this a cover-up or is this real okay so this is so i think this going specifically to kind of similarly a similar beat in the film that so I was under the impression after he goes to the mental health hospital and gets her files and reads them and he kind of realizes that he is adopted, that's not his real mom, that she's been lying to him, and then she suffocates or he suffocates her and kills her. I was under the impression, okay, the film has come down on she was delusional, his life is a lie, that's where the film has come down. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the case, that's fine, now we have our ground, we have... A basic understanding of the truth of how this has affected him as a person. That's fine. I'm okay. Boom. I get it now. But then the right before the final act or the final scene, when he's prepping in the mirror, I don't know if you guys noticed this because the people I saw it with did not notice it, but he's looking in the mirror of his mom's room when he's putting on his Joker makeup and he takes a picture off of her mirror that's been sitting there and it's a picture of her young and he flips it over and on the back of the picture mm-hmm. is a note that says i will always love your smile or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what that's T-W. why it's, it's meant yep. to be like a, a coin toss and, right like is it is it real or not but that's and that's what i'm saying so then at that point it's like oh well yeah. then none of them like the movie, then what's the point of anything the movie wants to have its cake and eat it too right it wants yeah. to it wants to provide this situation where it's like oh it's ambiguous you come up with your own yeah. decision but if you're gonna try to make this movie have statements you kind of need to decide what is it one way or the other you know i i mean ambiguity is can be good in in certain ways in certain films depending on some but if there's ambiguity that undermines the message i think that's where it becomes problematic yeah. and that's yeah. that's my whole issue with the movie and that's why i say it if it if it's implying that the joker is mentally ill then it means xxxx this xyz if it's mm-hmm. implying that he isn't from the beginning then it means something else entirely. And that's why I think this depiction of the Joker is, it's interesting and it's fun to talk about, but it also leaves me feeling kind of like, uh, I don't know, feels leaves me feeling empty. I, I mean, I, I guess to give it the benefit... I think there's an... Yeah, I was just going to say, it just trying to be as, you know, uh, give it the benefit of the doesn't Maybe they're trying to make a statement like, well, maybe there is not such a separation between crazy and and normal and and i mean i don't even that is kind of reaching though because what does that mean then i don't i don't know you know what i mean like i'm just trying to like think of like okay well if they're clearly not saying he's has mental health problems but they are clearly implying that he does on some level i I don't know i don't know now i'm just like 
thinking out loud and going nowhere. But so did did anyone else uh, before we get into the Zazie beat mm-hmm. whole narrative? Uh, did anybody else notice that once he got off the meds in the movie that he stopped doing the laugh or the laugh started the taper yeah, off? I did, I did, I did notice, notice that, that, yeah, that sure. and that contributes to the mess of the message because yeah. it's another element that you're supposed to go well. Now I'm even more confused as to whether it was real or not. I have no idea because it's, is it some kind of like, um, is it some, some kind of placebo thing that he's going through with the whole movie? Cause his mom is leading him to believe this or that he, you know, that he needs the medicine or, or what we don't, it's just, there's just too many mixed signals that are tossed throughout the whole thing. <clears throat> the Zazie beat stuff. I did like that except for, I, I, I felt like there was a couple moments where they, they didn't trust the audience. They over over explained that. Yeah, like why did they did not have to give us the flashbacks showing that she yeah, wasn't exactly. there? Like that scene could have been handled much more cleanly and elegantly if they had just she walks in, sees him, and says, "What are you doing here? Why are you in my apartment?" Done. Yeah. That's all. That's all the audience needs yeah, to hear. Yeah, exactly. I think it would have been on, way more powerful. Right. I think that would have hit and harder. Then, yep. You do that. You play a little swell of music that makes it yep. seem creepy, and then scenes over, and you get the point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and then that's mm-hmm. another element where. People are going to be like, well, anything can be fake in this movie then, right? Yeah, like that's the thing, like, right, when you have an unreliable narrator to this degree and it just, yeah, it just really meddles the whole, the, all the waters are now murky. But, but in the sense of that, uh, putting the message of the movie aside to a degree, I think that the how chaotic everything is, I think it's why I kind of like the movie so well, because it's really told from his perspective and in his mind, that's just how chaotic everything is. And so it really, it, it felt like a really good re- refreshing look at hit, like through his eyes. I mean, I like, no, I, I like the idea that it was all imagined that she, her, their relationship. I don't get me wrong. I like that part of it. I just didn't like the specific beat where they, no, no, I mean, I get, I get show. that, but I'm also just like commenting on like the Thomas Wayne stuff and everything, right? Oh. Like just the oh, fact okay. that you as the viewer are so lost with him, right? You're, you, mm-hmm. you're like, you can't really pinpoint what's real or what's not just like he can't. And so yeah, you're like uh, right there true. with them. And that's, I think that's really what draws me to it. The message of the movie aside. Right. Yeah. No, I, I kind of get that. It does help you empathize with them. I think it, it kind of goes, speaks to his performance, which I think we haven't really touched on yet in the discussion, but I think is so pivotal for the film as a whole. He does a really interesting job in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that I noticed the most is that he, he has the moments where he's his normal, like he feels like a normal guy. And it's usually in his interactions with his mom early in the film. Mm, right. And there's a few other scenes throughout, but he legitimately just feels like a, a normal guy, you know, maybe a little sad down on his luck, but there's seems to be genuine affection for his mom. They're kind of, but then there are so many scenes and I don't just mean the scenes where he's like laughing uncontrollably, the obvious more, crazy scenes but just the scenes where he's like at the comedy club and doesn't know how to act like a human laughing at the wrong time like you know what i mean like yeah 
And so it's just this weird clash of a character where you have these moments where he's clearly recognizable and understandable with these, you know, basic human pathos. But then these other just completely dissonant moments where it's like, he doesn't know how to be, he's like Tommy Wiseau trying to mimic human <laughs> humanity. Oh my, oh my God, you're right. That is what it reminded me of a little bit. But I want to go back to, to, and on that note, I want to go back to something I think Sean, you said, or I can't remember who said, but, um, earlier about like it can we imagine this joker being the the joker that we we know right and um and that's an impossible question to answer because there's so many different Mm -hmm. comic versions and movie versions and whatever but i'm gonna pick two of them could you imagine this joker becoming the heath ledger joker like could you imagine like such a weak like out of his own devices guy becoming someone who could be that joker right or, or, or even or even animated uh series mark hamill joker right like can you imagine yeah. this joker having the ability to become either of those characters right and that was a you hit right on the head of what i was trying to get at is that like the the, the versions all the versions of the joker that we know right he's he is I, I can't imagine him becoming any of them really if i'm being honest even i mean I yeah know. i mean if you think about it i'm like all right cool he's an arkham problem solved this guy's never gonna escape (laughs) like you know what i mean like that's kind of how i feel i'm like this is i mean he did kill that counselor at the end or just i mean sure but i just feel like i can imagine him becoming the caesar romero (laughs) well i I can too because his suit remind i made me think of it the whole time but if you if you think back to like when he was running away from the cops at the end like he showed a lot of like aggressive things like being able to blend in with the crowd and everything starting kind of like the but but he's reactionary he's a survivalist yeah he's not a guy with a plan that's gonna come you know like if, if okay so if this was the another like a comic book version of the joker during the when he goes on tv what he does is he poisons the whole audience right right mm-hmm. that's what he does he doesn't just randomly bring a gun who, who I, I guess he didn't get security checked okay that's fine but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah you, you know what i mean like it, it's yeah. it's not the same and that's okay right it, we don't need this joker to be that joker no we don't necessarily but... On that note, for the the um, the show, he his intention was to shoot himself on live air, and then he gets angry because he realizes Robert De Niro is a meanie head and changes right. his plans. Be- and basically, his emotions in the moment affected his entire whole thing. How's this guy going to plan a uh, elaborate bombing on two boats with two but, detonators? But to me, you know what I mean? To me, that's not what this Joker well, represents, right? Uh, this Joker, to me, is just one that is reactionary and caught and causes just as much if not you know like he his just reactionary things cause the whole city to get flipped upside down right so i mean i i completely agree with everything kind of both of you everyone has said in that he i can't imagine him being any of his jokers and i think that it's kind of weird because even though that's obviously supposed to be it's a different Joker, just like every Joker is a different take on that character, there's still somewhat of a central core that they should, well, we expect them to build off of, right? Otherwise, it's not that character. So it, it is weird when this character does not feel at all like that. But at the same time, it's like, well, I kind of like the, doing something completely different. I will say, though, until the the scene that made, like, ah, uh, this is the closest that it's he's come to 
the Joker that I know as the Joker is when he's dancing on the stairway. Like, is yeah. I think that scene mm-hmm. is like, oh, I could see Heath Ledger doing this. I could see Jack Nicholson yes. doing this. I could see like, and that scene, he is so confident. Like, he embodied the like I. The confidence is such an easy word to throw at it. It's more intricate nuance than that. But just for the sake of, you know, discussion, the confidence that comes with being the Joker, boom, that was what it was in that scene. I was going to say, if you'll allow me to be pedantic for a second, that same staircase is showed several times in, like, after scenes of him being kicked by society, then he has to walk up the stairs to get home. It's always dark. It's always gloomy. It's always set to sad music. That scene is sunny. He's going down the stairs. He's conquered the stairs. Yeah, there's constantly up and down visual metaphors throughout this yeah. film, and like, um, and that was obviously one I of think... the main ones. That staircase. By the way, that that's that's wherever they filmed that was cool. I don't know how I've never seen that movie before. It's just a really cool location. I also think Anyways. another scene that would fit with any of the Joker's was when he finally killed that that former coworker in his apartment, and then he had the scene with the, the I don't what the pc term is little person right the the little mm-hmm. british guy and he, like that yeah. really uncomfortable scene of he's like you can go but obviously like even you as the viewer are like can you go right like I, that's to me that's yeah. just about any joker that, that was perfect it was it was a, a situation where everybody was being tormented even the viewers yeah i mean it was closer to i still it still, I think, kind of felt like Ryan was saying reactionary, um, and it it brings to mind this book and film. Have any Have any of you ever seen or or read Being There? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, with uh, is that Peter Sellers? Peter Sellers yeah. was in the movie, and so it's really interesting. And I don't know. I think I feel like he won Best Actor. I think it's from the late seventies. Anyways, it's a really interesting and really kind of cool book, especially in movie, especially it's kind of ahead of its time in terms of subject matter but this joker reminded me a lot of that character and the character's name is chauncey gardner but basically it's 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 like a more a less um not a less maniacal version of this joker not that this joker was even maniacal per yeah se, i would not call him maniacal, but but like yeah but basically he's this character that's kind of drifting he's he it doesn't have any direction. He's just kind of reacting to things happening to him. But people are taking everything that he's doing and putting meaning putting so it. much meaning behind everything yeah. that was not intended there. Like, you know what I mean? And eventually, the being there, spoilers, by the way, he becomes elected president of the United States just because he just, like, is sitting around and people think that he's some brilliant guy or some – because he just kind of, like – wants to watch TV and they're like, ah, oh, he's making a metaphor about society. You know, like, and that, that's kind of what I felt like with this, with Joker. I mean, I don't know if that specific reference was intentional, but I couldn't help but thinking of that. Hmm. Um, sorry. Anyways, that was kind of oh, a no, deep. No, that's a good connection. I, I didn't make that security. connection, but yeah, he's sort of just an absent minded reactionary yeah. kind of guy floating through life and things are happening to him. And, yeah. and, and, but, but to, yeah, to me, that's not, the joker i yeah you know I agree. and again i think i don't disagree with chris either that this is the joker they want to depict and i suppose that's that's all right um yeah. but i didn't see a lot of intelligence uh behind and, uh, and, behind and his actions i want to merge two of these ideas though that's the thing is that we're kind of all a little bit in agreement that this is not the traditional joker that we're used to because most of the jokers share common traits even though there's some very different Mm. ones and this one doesn't share a lot of those common traits but if you're gonna bother to do a joker origin and then change so much of the character 
then the logical explanation is, well, we had a reason to, we had a message that we wanted to tell and, or we had this yeah. thing, but if it's about the message, then we've, as we've already established, that message is very muddy. So that, yeah, right. that leads me into this empty spot. That's kind of where I think the emptiness feels for me. Well, let me ask this question. Like, what do you guys think of it? Would you, and this is a hard theoretical to answer, but would you guys felt you would have liked it more if it was not a Joker movie? As in, it was the same exact plot and story, but instead of at the end him saying, call me Joker, and instead of the references to Thomas and Bruce Wayne, it was just a story about this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah I've actually asked myself that same question. Like, I'm like, wait, what, what really made this Joker? What made this any kind of connection to Batman? The fact that they tossed in the names Wayne. I mean, mm-hmm. other than that, is and, and the fact that it took place Batman's, in Gotham. We had to see Batman's parents well, I was going to say, the fifth time yeah, like, of the, how do you guys... The 20th time. Actually, it was funny because I, knowing going into this, this was going to be not at all... Like, I was actually... Disappointed is not the right word, but kind of disappointed how heavily it actually was still tied to Batman. I was like, I was told this was not going to be a Batman yeah. movie, and yet I am watching Thomas and Martha Wayne get curled for the fifth time on screen. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> be- besides that, and like... it you know remove that element and it's just like it it could have just been any random guy and i'm okay with that i think i would have maybe been less distracted by the uh you know whatever legacy uh elements of the story like you know well that's the thing i go back to my point remove the batman connections and then you're left with a movie with uh a confusing message you know like mm-hmm. you, you, if if it's not trying to be the joker then what is the point of this then like what am i trying supposed to take away from it i'm not but really i mean sure. maybe so that was the it, point it, though right like that's why he he wanted it to be joker was because people know the joker well enough for that that kind of unreliable narrator to work and not just be kind of garbo garbo, garbo. yeah <laughs> the one thing i wanted to point um, out real fast is so you guys you, you, right there's like you guys can't really see this guy being the joker that you know and ryan i think you, you use the term intelligent but the i think the reason i i like this joker so much is like it may not all just be intelligence but i think this is by and far the cruelest joker like he he is very much like lashing out at people. Like it, the things he does are way crueler than I think what any of the other Jokers have done. Well, I guess I mean I. Hmm. Well, I don't know. No. What do you mean like, by so, cruel? Well, by cruel I is like the things the things he does are very intent. Well, not intent. It is reactionary, but like he is intentionally lashing out at people, trying to cause them pain. Right. Whereas the other Jokers. I, that's not their goal, right? They're intelligent. Everybody is just kind of like this piece that they're moving around on a chessboard. They really have no connection to anything that they're doing. Chris, I think you got that entirely backwards. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, feel like I, I had that. I mean, uh, well, let me. I think it might just be a community. You just, you feel like maybe this is, maybe this helps explain it. Do you? I, I feel that this Joker might be way more intimate than any other joker is that maybe, maybe i mean you can you can okay, say that too I but i still that. think it's cruel like if you think that like heath ledger's uh heath ledger's performance right like let's say the scene the scene where he's burning the money with the mafia guys like there's there's no cruelty there's no passion to what he's doing he's so intelligent it's all part of his plan that he's okay, so far removed Chris, from this the scene. boat scene the boat yeah. scene is psychological torture 
Gordon's Funhouse. Basically, everything in Killing Joke is cruel. And also, you can argue that his cruelness is um, is dampened in this movie because a lot of the violence that he act- enacts is in revenge for people being cruel to him. So, but that doesn't well, make it less cruel. So, I mean, I, I, yes, I don't know. I, I want to call him cruel. Though I would say he was only. I mean, it's only less cruel if you think the only thing an that eye I thought of him is cruel is not cruel. <laughs> yeah, but I'm. But that's not in and of itself. I. I mean, I think your definition of cruel might vary than kind of what the implication most people have of it. Because I would say the only thing that was cruel in this is when he killed the co-worker in his apartment and what and with the with the little guy there. they also made him they the, also made him kill the third uh wall street bro on the subway just to make that scene morally ambiguous because yeah, you could argue the it, first two were self-defense but then he chases after well the that's what one. i'm saying because that whole that whole scene like i'm it's not don't don't get me wrong here justified does no. not mean i uh, but I, so it's not justified but i also empathize like yeah i mean there are other movies where that scene plays out and he is the hero have you guys ever seen the brave with jodie foster that is exactly that scene oh, i yeah. mean she's a woman you know like there's other implications but there are scenes like that where you have a vigilante that's what the um the uh death uh death wish right like these like there are movies obviously this is not those movies but that scene in and of itself is not cruel. Like, that isn't even the moment where I think he becomes, you know, a villain per se. Or, you know, like, I, I'm still kind of with him at that point. I, maybe I'm alone in this. Like, no, no, again, yeah, I'm not that's, justifying that scene is his intended actions. to be sympathetic. I mean, the I moment think. he killed those yeah, people I on think the subway, so. even the first guy on the subway, I, I was completely disconnected from him. There was no more sympathy. Uh, I mean, I guess everyone has their personal. I. I, again, I'm not. I don't think it was justified, but I was not disconnected. Like the f- part of this is uh, kind of getting into another topic. This film, I feel, is very, very misanthropic. It is just painting an awful picture of society. Like, yeah. just well, that's of humanity in, society, in general. <laughs> we live in a society, um, but just like it's, it's clearly intended to invoke these feelings of like, yeah, this is a dirty, grimy awful world and like i like it's building this tension in the audience where you want someone to do something and just like god these awful people someone right. just get rid like do something so i, I don't know i, I i'm I, i'm it, not saying you're wrong chris and your feelings but i'm gonna disagree and say no i was still sympathetic towards him at that right point. and if in terms of our opinions that's great but in terms of what the filmmakers were intending i think it's pretty yeah you know i don't want to say it's clear right because we're still talking about it and yeah it would, we wouldn't be talking about it if it was clear. So in any case, I believe it was the filmmaker's intent that we should feel sympathetic, at least at the first two killings, because it was in self-defense. Yeah. And then they put the third one, the way the third one played out so that it could be ambiguous and we could talk yeah, about exactly. it. And yeah. they don't want to also have to say we side with the Joker. They want to make it more morally gray. So, it, yeah, I don't know. that, Which comes off as a little cheap to me, but it is what it is. Yeah. Also, how many rounds did that pistol have in it? Cause I yeah, I counted. I actually was counting. Eight. I counted seven. Okay. I count, oh, yeah, it, it was seven or eight. So, yeah. I don't know. Are there revolvers that have eight rounds? Uh, it might be possible. Idea. I was wondering that too, but I was like, eh, that's. I'll chuck that up to it's a movie kind of thing. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm being. I'm being too nitpicky at that point. If I'm going to complain about how many rounds were in that. <laughs> are, are we going to start yeah. counting shots fired in John Wick film? 
<laughs> Actually, of all films Actually, involving a lot of guns, right. I would expect yeah. that to be the most. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they probably took the time <laughs> yeah. to make sure like, people are going to count. We got to make sure. Um, but kind of going back to a little bit of just like the grimy ugliness of this world like even just like the color palette and and everything about it i thought those elements i actually liked a lot like it was it, it's kind of nihilistic which i actually usually don't like in films mm -hmm. and and wasn't my favorite part but i do think it it was actually well it, done it suits and, this I, movie well yeah, i think yeah um even the elements like with uh, robert de niro like i loved one of my favorite scenes is the scene before the big climax when they're on the air but when Mark Maron and Robert Daniel come to his dressing room. Oh, yeah. I love that scene when you see Robert Daniel and he's just like a normal guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's not his persona on, on what we've seen on TV. And he's clearly like in kind of, you know, a normal smart guy. He doesn't seem particularly cruel or mean. And, and I, I think that really kind of encapsulated a lot, somewhat of what the film was trying to say maybe too about, I don't know, just, media or something there. <laughs> what's the theme behind this about um, society the theme is we media live in a society? Mark? <laughs> yeah i don't know i just Maybe, really like that, that sequence yeah all right so so i guess the only scene that i, that I didn't like was good? when he was on the the show at the end and right before obviously right he was supposed to shoot himself when he starts going off on that like kind of almost sanctimonious rant like, I felt like that was the only time that he went out of character. Mm -hmm. Because the whole time he spends saying, it's not about this, it's not about this, right? But then, at the end, he starts going off on this rant about how the, the big man keeps the little man down. Which is fine, I don't mind that as a message. But it felt out of character at that point for him. Right, like at the end, he suddenly decides to have a purpose. I agree, I agree with yeah. that. I mean, the thing is, I really, I actually liked that scene. I, it was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But in terms of the message, it was, it did muddy it a lot. The more I thought about it, though, maybe kind of, I was thinking like, maybe it's less about like, oh, he, it's him starting to believe the, the, the lies, like for lack of a better term, the lies, but starting to believe all the hype around him. And he's just kind of like, we're hearing his thoughts, walking him through what, society is built up around this persona that he never believed to begin with but by the end of that rant he believes it and that i don't throughout the rest of the film when he kind of dances on the car and kind of it's like him like oh okay this is who i am now like him kind of just like yeah okay living or like um uh, embracing embracing yeah, chaos yes. yes embracing this notion that that has been put upon him yeah i guess I I thought, well, at least what I was trying to get out of that is that for me, his, the thing that he wasn't getting from life, it was acceptance or visibility, right? He's invisible. Mm -hmm. And he, he, yeah. he says that earlier, right? To the, um, to the public, uh, service agent, right? Where he, yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. I, I wasn't visible until whatever it was last week when he shot the people, right? Um, and to me, that's what I thought was his, like his sorrow, thread is that he wanted to feel accepted feel seen and now his moment on the end of the uh, at the end of the movie and he's dancing in the vehicle is like oh i found a vehicle to be accepted and yeah. and i this was never my intent i never had a plan but there are people who will accept me 
if they see me as that person. I think that's closer to yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I and again, maybe we're giving them too much credit. I don't think maybe. so. I want to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt, but I, I agree that that I feel like that if anything that is the most resonant, that's the most kind of true to form in terms of the character um, interpretation that I've heard. So yeah. Would, well, thank you. I would say so. I think that's the closest we're going to get to uh, to unmixing this gumbo. That's not a thing you do yeah. with gumbo. I don't know. What do you do with gumbo? <laughs> you unmix you it. it. You separate <laughs> you it out into... It. Well, it's like a hipster LA restaurant where it's the different... Deconstructed Here's gumbo. Here's a gumbo, deconstructed on a, gumbo. On a... you, said, um, you said gumbo, and I took a, a breath in through my nose, and I thought I smelled gumbo ooh. for a moment. Oh, no. That's... Uh, <laughs> you might want to get that checked. It's a cool superpower. To <laughs> that means you're having a stroke. And then you, you, you might want to get an MRI, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is a, just a question. So... It's funny how important the dancing is. <laughs> like, I don't know if you, I just thought it was like really s- strange isn't the right word, but just like, I don't know, endearing and odd and like, but also somewhat like authentic how important like his dancing is for what like in the script, I could imagine the script is the Joker dances or something, yeah. right? And how much they basically probably, I don't know this, but probably just left it up to Joaquin to just like oh uh, i'm gonna do this is what he's doing this is what his choice is and then they just go with that and and then they probably upplayed it because of how he probably he played elevated it in the it. first scene yeah. they filmed yeah exactly right. and by the end of it it's so important when he's dancing on the car at the end and just like you could track his his arc as a character almost based Through on his, his dancing. dancing yeah i don't know i just thought it was really interesting yeah it was a little uh nicholson-esque and a little yeah, Romero-esque yeah. as well. Hmm. Oh, maybe it is blending. I, all. Also, man, what is what is the... Does he have, like, weird gargoyle wing bones or something? <laughs> walking <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was gonna, I was hoping that wouldn't come up because I didn't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that, it's funny because when I, I've told a couple people about the film when they've asked me, and that is one of the things, the first, like, the top three things I'll say is that, man... He's got this gnarly body. He, let's get ready for this, <laughs> it this thing. It is nauseating to look at. Yeah. <laughs> get ready. Prepare your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Take, take some Tums before you see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think probably okay to wrap it up unless you guys have any other uh, gigantic uh, earth-shattering um... observations about this film. I don't know. Real yeah. fast, favorite scenes. Actually, yeah, let me go real quick because sure, I was going to yeah, bring go this up it. anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my my favorite scene and a and a scene that I think captures for me the emotionally confusing experience that I had in this film is the scene where he's performing as a clown in the ch- uh, children's uh, hospital, mm-hmm. and he's dancing around and he's singing. If you're happy and you know it, I think right. Yeah. And yeah. and at the end of it, he drops the gun. Okay. Right. And it's yeah, it's uh-huh. it's super awkward and it's embarrassing. And he picks up the gun and he puts his finger to his lip like Shh, it's a secret. And like I don't. What was your guys' reaction to that? Because I wanted to laugh, but I was so embarrassed for him, and then also confusing because the way that scene was shot, it was they they let the camera roll for a very long time, and so you're already uncomfortable because of that. And it, to me, that yeah, just like all these conflicting emotions. I think that scene was really well done, but also just, again, captures that emotional confusion, state of emotional confusion. 
that much much of the film was for me uh yeah it made me sick it made me nauseated a little bit yeah it was uncomfortable uh yeah i mean i hadn't thought as heavily about that scene it it was very striking but i yeah that's a good that's a good point how much it lingered there because now that you're describing it like it's very vivid how much it does but as as i was watching it i don't remember like it wasn't one of the scenes i walked out of the theater going back to immediately uh, yeah I, I don't know for some reason that one that scene i think stuck in my mind probably more than any other i don't I, which is odd because it wasn't mm-hmm. any of the other gruesome naked body walking phoenix scene so Uh, I like the subway scene because all the uh, business bros knew the entire lyrics to send in the clowns, which implies that, which implies that they're all big uh, musical theater buffs. (laughs) They're all big Steven Sondheim fans and they've, they've seen a lot of Broadway. Um, uh, Sean. Ah, favorite scene. Oh, that's rough. Um, I guess, uh, I guess I did just, I really liked his dancing on the stairwell. Like, uh, Partially because I think it is the closest to what, like, there was a moment of not not catharsis, but almost like triumph. That I, at that point he is clearly a villain, so it's not that I empathize it with with him anymore. But there is a moment of triumph where it feels like ah, he's become the Joker, and that sounds so like postery and fake and film CEOe. But it 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 did it was effective for me when just that level of confidence. And also mixing in what we're talking about with the visual metaphor of the stairwell, him finally kind of going down the stairs and the dancing that we've seen throughout the film. And just like the the color palette, even at that point, like he has the suit on, but it's not the traditional purple suit. It's just slightly off color and it just matches what he's been wearing up until then. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I like I think for his and even the music, which at when this first the, what what was the music? I forgot what the song was. Rock but and I just roll remember, part two. Yeah, I just thought it was such a strange choice that somehow was oddly fitting. Um, so I don't know. I really like that scene a lot, and there were other scenes. I did like the talk show scene at the end, and there's a lot of other stuff, but that one stands out. Okay, and Chris. I mean, I, my favorite scene is when he kills the co-worker, like I said before. But one scene I also really liked that we never brought up was the the scene where he visits Wayne Manor. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I was I almost said that one, yeah. That one was so awkward, the whole, the whole interaction with young Bruce and everything. Mm-hmm. Also, Bruce sliding down the little bat pole. I thought that, that was, was kind of cute. I, yeah, I thought that was the reference. <laughs> I didn't know if that was too much of a but, stretch, but I, I thought that at least... But that man, like that kid, was very awkward, mm-hmm. right? And the Joker, obviously, you you can feel like that building jealousy, right? Like right off the bat, you just yeah. like this little kid. And, and so he... it's those weird moments where, like, in a film that, as much as possible, in general, you want to have emotional trueness to how characters react there's always moments that are so kind of weirdly odd and disturbing like when a grown man puts his fingers into a child's mouth and lets yeah. him forcibly <laughs> like is this is this realistic i don't know but it's kind of weird and disturbing and it fits like i like it, it like i don't like it like it but i like <laughs> i like it in this scene in this film at this moment yeah. um also just we didn't touch upon but the idea that the joker and batman are half brothers is kind of a cool idea even I mean, it doesn't ever explicitly say that, but it—I don't know. I like, eh, 
it's, kind of it's interesting, but no? I'm glad they left it ambiguous because it yeah, I am too. It's but... but it also rose me the wrong way a little bit. So I'm glad that it's not de- definitive. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought that was maybe yeah, yeah impl- uh, at least pseudo strongly implied because they're both orphans and they both react to their circumstances in opposite ways. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's another good scene. Well, that was our Joker discussion. Um, it was a. It was uh, interesting for sure, confusing definitely, mm-hmm. um, but a quality film. I, I, I think I think people should watch it because it's something that they're probably not going to see anything else like, but they might not like it. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say that's, that's true. I would say that's true. Yeah, but it, it again, well, well made uh, piece of cinema. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, tell us what you thought. We, I'd love to hear anyone's and everyone's thoughts on the Joker, especially the Joker, because it was all, all of those things I just said. Um, so if you do have thoughts, please write to us on any forms of social media. Facebook. Uh, I think we have a Twitter. I don't. Maybe we don't. I don't think don't we know. use it. Um, yeah, we don't use it. But uh, Or just email. Probably you should email us, because then you get your email read on our next episode. Um, and you can email us at yumchunks at gmail.com. Um and do all the following things. You could listen to us on all places where podcasts are listened to. Um uh and the next coming up we got the the holiday season. Well not quite holiday, but you know, marathon of actual films that are worth talking about has begun, I'll, hopefully. I'll so. probably be uh, I'll probably be on not so many until at least Terminator. I think that'll probably be the next one that I show up on because good or bad i'm sure i'll have thoughts about terminator <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure we'll do terminator um, i'd like to do the lighthouse all right well. oh that one looks cool i wouldn't mind doing gemini man i don't, I don't know we'll see gemini but man there's there's things that are coming out that i think we will be talking about so it won't be two months before our next episode so stay tuned hear our thoughts on things and um uh i don't know what else chris tell them what else they should do that's life. Uh, smile. Uh, why oh, yeah. serious? What's, no. What's a, what's he say? There's. He says that's put life. A smile that's, on your face. Send in the cl- send in put the clowns. It, send them on in here. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Have a good good time. Well, Goodbye. Bye. This has been after the credits. A Young Chunks podcast. <laughs> <laughs>